Well, welcome, Water of Life. We are so glad that you are joining us online today. My name is Jakeem. I'm a young adults pastor here, and I just want to say welcome. And we're so excited for our service today as we have Pastor Shane coming to bring the message as we continue on in our series on First Peter. We know that God has so much in store for this series and this message as it continues to provoke and challenge um, our lives. But before we jump into service today, there's a few things that I want to just catch us up on that is taking place around our church community. And the first is this, is many of you know is that on Saturday evenings, um, for a few weeks now, for the past few weeks now, we've been meeting in person and having an opportunity for us to worship together and, and experience service together. And God has been doing some really, really amazing things. And we're really excited to announce that starting September 12th, we're actually going to be adding an additional service on Sunday evening. And now, we're really also pumped about this is because not only is it going to be um, a Sunday night service, we're actually going to be moving this towards a family service. So we're encouraging you to mark your calendars for that where you can bring the families out. We'll have EK and 56 available for the kids and the students. And along with those other ministries, following uh, that week of the launch on September 13th where service is happening, a lot of our other core ministries are also going to be rolling out opportunities for their communities to be meeting in person. So you want to be looking out for that and don't miss it because we're really excited for us, even in this season, to have opportunities where we can experience community and experience God together. Some other things that are taking place is this weekend we're actually doing a blood drive. And Around here at Water of Life, our heart for a part of our DNA is about loving our neighbor. And, and that means locally, but also those overseas. It's what we do. But as you know, with our current climate, we, we haven't been able to send out global outreach teams, which we do every year. But we still want to take moments and opportunities to bless and to partner with some of our partners that are overseas. And, and this blood drive this weekend is going to do just that. We have some partners over in Nigeria that our blood drive is going to help partner and bless them in the ministry that they are doing as they are going through this season as well. So I want to encourage you to pray about coming to Give Blood. It's going to be taking place on Sunday, and you can do walk-ins or walk-ups from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You don't want to miss it. Pray about how you can partner with God and helping us partner with our partners overseas as they continue to touch people. Last thing I want to let you know about is we are starting something around here at the church called Alpha. And now what Alpha is, it is online discussions with groups of people that are able to have real people having real conversations about things that really matter. So here's what it's going to look like. We're going to get in online groups where those in the groups, no matter where you are in your faith journey, you can contribute, but we're going to talk about things about life, about spirituality, about our faith journey, about living um, for Jesus. And we're really excited about what those times are going to look like and what God is going to do. So those are going to be starting September 17th. So go ahead and mark your calendars for that. And you don't want to miss it because those are going to be some really powerful moments as well. Well, as you know, there's always so many things taking place around here at, at our church, and I couldn't even begin to share all of them with you. But if you want to keep up with what is happening, you can go to walludates.com. That's W-O-L-updates.com to see the, uh, the variety of things that are still happening around here as a church. 
Well, family, we're really excited for service and to worship today. And we're going to take a moment. I'm going to just take a moment to challenge you. If I can just challenge you just for a moment. I know sometimes maybe when we're watching at home or, or in the living room and, you know, we're in a comfortable space, it's real easy to, to watch some messages with our, with our phone out and, you know, with so many other distractions of regular day life that, that we don't get when we're meeting in person. But I want to challenge you to put some of those distractions away. Put some of those things that maybe are hindering you from hearing or experiencing God the, maybe the way he wants to speak with you and talk with you today. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, but in this moment, I encourage you to yield your heart, to yield to this moment, to this period of time where God may want to speak and encounter you, encounter us. So let me pray for us and we'll jump into worship. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you so much that even when we're away from one another, God, you're near all of us, that we get to encounter and experience your love in your presence in an amazing way. And God, that's simply what we ask today, is that as we worship and as we experience service, is that we would feel your presence, that we would know that you are near, that you would speak to us, that you would challenge us, that you provoke us to live differently. So Lord, have your way in this moment. Have your way today. And it's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we love you. We're excited for service. Why don't you stand, maybe lift your hands, and let's worship together.
Money's going to come through. The job, it's going to come. It's going to come. It's working for your good. It's working. And when we, when we withhold nothing from God, we can rest assured. It's a promise that he will be there and he will fight for us. And he will do the things that he's promised that he will do for us. So let's sing that one more time. And let's withhold nothing. Just give it to him. Just give it to him. He's got it under control. He's got it. He's got it under control. He's got it under control. He's got it. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. And because we withhold nothing, we can know that we're surrounded by our Father. Amen? He's got it. He's got it. Deliver 
Father, that we, God, are chosen. God, that we are loved. God, and that you go before us. God, you know the story and you're just waiting for us to come and just walk out. Surrender the things that we're holding on to and be free. Give them to you. They're still there, but they're just not attached to us. And so I pray, God, that we can give those things to you, God, and trust, God, that you are going to do work everything for your good. We just love you and we praise you. And I just pray, Father, for you to just speak to us now, God, in your word. Speak life into us, Holy Spirit. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Amen. Give him praise. Yeah. Oh, man, so good. So good. But we're going to move on in the service right now. So let's go ahead and just, again, prepare our hearts and uh, enjoy the message. Amen. Water of Life, how are all of you? Well, if you're here with us in person, we're so glad that you're with us. Um, and if you're at home, well, um, you're comfortable, uh, you have air conditioning, and we don't, so enjoy. Hey, it is great to be with you. Um, my name is Shane, if we've not met before, I'm one of the senior staff pastors here, I get to teach from time to time. And it's great to be with you this weekend to bring you a fourth part in a series uh, messages around the book of First Peter, and so if you're just joining us, this is, you're joining us at a great time. Uh, <clears throat> this story is full of grace and hope, and the whole concept around what it means to live whole and be healthy, real people. And so we're going to jump into that in just a second. But um, you know what? The, the, there's some change coming. Did you hear about the change coming? Yeah. And it's not about an election. And come on, stop it. Uh, you know what it is really about is that um, next uh, in two weeks uh, from to. On the day, the week after um, Labor Day, we're going to add a Sunday night service so that we can get some more of our friends and family. So if you're at home and work on Saturdays, you can't come on Saturdays and join us in person, you'd like to join us, you feel safe, you feel healthy, and you want to be here, um, you can do that. And so uh, we'll be coming to you with some of that. And some of our midweek stuff we'll be launching back. And so um, obviously outside, socially distanced, et cetera, but we're looking forward to that. So um, it's been a long journey, and I don't know about you, but I would like for life to be a little bit different these days. Anybody else? And so I want to talk about that in just a second, but I want to catch you up on where we've been so we can see where we need to go, and then we're going to finish this series out. we got two more weeks of it, and we're looking forward to doing that because, listen, we're going chapter by chapter through the book of Peter, First Peter, and this is powerful stuff. I know some of it was heavy last week. I know it was hard to hear some of it last week um, and the week before, and even the week before that, but the whole thing about this series and the thing that I love about it is this whole thing centers on these, and this is really the theme of it. Listen, it's grace. And we need the grace because with the grace comes hope. And with the hope comes the ability for us to live whole. And I love this because we can lean into this stuff. And we started off first week by saying this. There's just one thing. There was one idea, this whole thing that we need to remember from Peter. It was, somebody help me this. If you're at home, you can kind of spit at your TV and yell, hope. Somebody say hope. Come on. 
hope. And this whole idea is that hope, and we defined what hope was because we said hope without a definition, and hope really, listen, is more than a wish, it's a fact. And we said this, that hope is the bridge that faith needs when our circumstances and our theology don't meet. Because guess what? Sometimes they don't what? Meet. And we get stuck. But God says, hey, listen, I'm going to reach you with hope. And I'm going to stretch you out because I want to do something else with you because I'm not done with you. And then Rolo came uh, two weeks ago. Pastor Rolo came and brought a fantastic word. I don't know if you heard it. If you did not, you need to go back and hear it. It was that good. Um, He said, hey, listen, by the way, the most important thing we could do right now, don't get sidetracked by what? Suffering. Don't get sidetracked by suffering. It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to look at the circumstances and miss what God is trying to do. And then we introduced um, a bad word an American bad word, into our vocabulary. And that was this word. It's not the S word you were thinking it was, but it is an S word. Submission. This is un-American. But it is fully God. Here's, here's what's so good about this. And I love what Rolo said because he said, hey, listen, by the way, you can be as American as you want to. You can stand up for your rights and you should and you should vote and you should, all those things. But in the moment that those things begin to cross the will of God for your life and what he's leading you to do, you no longer can become transformed by him because God works through us submitting. And then he goes on, and I love this. I got to read this to you. I told him earlier I was reading his stuff because it was so good. I listened to his podcast, and I kept having to stop and, like, take notes because it was so good. He said this, and these are his words verbatim. Assurance of our destiny, the thing that we think God has called us to, and the fulfillment of our lives, the thing that we want to see happen in our lives, isn't accomplished by demanding our, oh, I can't even say that out loud, rights. But in laying them down, Jesus is able to raise new life into each one of us. I feel like I could just go home now. Go pray about that for like a week and then do something about it, right? The assurance of your destiny and mine is not accomplished by our demanding of our rights. Then he went on and finished and said, hey, by the way, don't forget that we are chosen people. You, and this is what Peter teaches us, a holy people. And he said, hey, listen, be set apart. Don't be like this world. And that's what Peter's going to continue to tell us. And the thing he's going to continue to tell us over and over and over, and the thing you and I know to be true is that we want life to be what? Different. No more so than this moment, right? Am I right? Everybody wants life to be different right now. Everybody does. Nobody wants life to stay where it is. So the question is, and what Peter's going to teach us, and we'll see this in just a second, is that life, life is only different when we choose to live different. Now, week three, we jumped into this conversation around husbands and wives. I'm just glad I didn't preach that message. You can go back to week three. But just go back up. This is good because it's all about, and this isn't a slide, but I walked over to TV like it was going to be there. And I apologize, Inez. She's doing the slides. She thought I was jumping on. We said this in week three because this is week four and I missed week three. Week three is this. Husbands and wives submit one to another. And then there was a really bad joke about the three rings. The last one be suffering and marriage. Anyway, okay. And engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. Uh, if you got, okay, you got to go back and watch it. All right. Anyway, I'm going to pray for us in just a second, but I want to introduce this conversation because 
we got to give ourselves a reminder of who Peter is. Remember, this is Peter that followed Jesus for three years. Peter that denied Jesus three times. This is Peter who is writing this text in about 64 AD. And this text that he's writing in 64 AD is really critical. Here's why. It is presupposing, it is just before these Christians, these Jesus followers, He's writing in Rome. He's writing out to the known world in the Mediterranean and the Asian world. He's writing out to them saying, hey, by the way, <clears throat> suffering's going to come, but you need to live different. He's, it's, actually, it's like as if he knew it was going to happen. He says, um, hey, listen, guys, I'm going to remind you, and this is why First Peter's so great. It's almost as if Peter's just extending the gospel. He's just taking what he learned from Jesus. He's reminding these people, remember, this isn't a book. This is a letter that he wrote, probably three different letters to different churches and different gatherings of people. As you read this, this wasn't a book chaptered and versed. This was a letter from a pastor's heart, Peter, who Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Peter, who founded the church, said, hey, by the way, you're going to get persecuted, Peter. But Peter said, hey, listen, it's all good. Watch this. I'm going to lean in. This is what Peter saying. I'm going to lean in. Let me show you what it means to do good and when necessary, endure well. Because he highlights the discipleship journey. And the discipleship journey for him is the only way you can follow Jesus. And he says, and this is what we're going to see the church. The church should be seen as a community. The question for you and the question for me today is this. Are we? Because like you, I know I want to see life be different right now. The other day I uh, was on a bike ride with some friends. We were tired. We were on our way home. It was hot. And we crossed some friends that we know. Friends that they know, let me rephrase that, and one, one person that I knew in this group. And so, you know, the world's weird right now, so when you see people, you know, you're like, oh, somebody I know, a human, right? So uh, we stop our bike ride, we start talking, you know, we're socially distant, don't worry, okay? So we talk, and uh, we finish talking, and um, <clears throat> I know only one person in the group. We sit there talk, hey, it's great to see you. We move on. And um, have you ever had one of those moments when you thought you absolutely fully understood, like, the social dynamics that were taking place in the conversation, come to find out you knew nothing about what was going on in the conversation? Well, you're going to enjoy this story at my expense. So <clears throat> I uh, don't know anybody in the group except for one person, and I know this one person, and so we get back on our bikes. We turn around to ride away. And um, I'm like, hey, so who is so-and-so? I don't know them because, you know, I, and I shared their name. I'll keep that to myself. Who is so-and-so? Is that so-and-so's grandmother? And they're like, Shane, shh. I'm like, what's going on? I was absolutely certain I understood the full social dynamic of the relationship and all the things that were taking place in the moment. Turns out it was not her grandmother, it was her sister. <laughs> Hopefully they didn't hear that. I'm praying they didn't hear that. But have you ever had a moment, and this is why I like Peter, and this is why I relate to Peter, because Peter is notorious for doing this stuff, okay? He, like, lived with one foot in his mouth, okay? Listen, I relate to Peter and here's why, and this is why I wanted to share this story, not because it's self-depreciating, it's funny because of that, but here's the truth, is that every single one of us in moments like that want life to be what? Different. And as Jesus followers, 
Life should look different. But being different requires us to live differently. We're going to jump into 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to pick up where we left off on husbands and wives submitting last week. I want to pray for you before we do that because I think this is some super, super, super important stuff. So why don't you open your Bibles if you're at home, you know, flip it open, get a Bible, grab your coffee, get refreshed. But we want, to, we want to dive into this thing. This is super important. Heavenly Father, we need you to guide us. You preserved this text for almost 2,000 years, and we're sitting here on the other side of this stuff, and there's so much for us to learn that we need to learn from Peter. So God, thank you that he wrote this stuff down, that he sent these letters out, and that you sought fit to preserve those things through time for our benefit. Would we learn from you, and Holy Spirit, would you come alive to us right now? Would we listen to what you are trying to teach us right here and right now, in this moment, in this specific time in history that we would learn some lessons that are going to make us uncomfortable, but make us the people that you called us and created us to be? In Jesus' name. Everybody said. So Peter uh, starts out a conversation here in uh, chapter 3, verse 8, and he starts by saying this, and I'll read part of this to you, and then I'm going to ask you to read part of it with me. He says, finally, he's finishing up a section, so he says, finally, as I'm kind of giving you the house rules, he's kind of giving us, for those of you who are not Jesus followers, listen, what, what Peter's really trying to do is give us a Christian ethic. He's giving us kind of insider ethics of how Christians should love, treat, and live among one another. So if you're not a Jesus follower, there's two things I can tell you right now. One, you get to hold your Jesus follower friends accountable to live this way. And two, you should apply some of these things to your life. You might find out that what Jesus says will change who you are and make your life better. He says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. You should be in unity. Sympathize with one another, to which we all say, that's so easy. We just sympathize with everybody, don't you? It just comes naturally to me. Sarcasm, come on. Come on. I always understand what everybody else is thinking. It's just not my wife. Okay. <laughs> Love each other as brothers and sisters. Let me read. I'm going to ask you to read one part of Scripture this weekend with me. And it's going to be that one line. And I already read it out loud so that you could like kind of break the ice, okay? You with me? If you're at home, look, at, look. it's gonna pop up on the screen. I'm just gonna point it. All we have to say is, read this with me. I know that's a hard word to say. Love. Because here's the hard part. Once we say it, we gotta do it, right? Love each other as brothers and sisters. Keep going. You're doing good. Be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Mm. That's so fun to read. Uh, it's not any more fun to read it on that screen with you as it was to type into my computer when I put it in there. Listen, because he goes on, he's not done. He goes, hey, by the way, <clears throat> just in case you got bored with what I just said, let me just be really clear. Don't repay evil for evil. Uh, and listen, come on. For just a second, you're going to read a bunch of things here with me that are going to speak exactly to where we are. And he was writing this 2,000 years ago, and we haven't learned this lesson yet because it's part of our broken human condition. He's saying, don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate. We've never done that in our life. We've never seen that in a tweet. We've never heard that on a political speech. We don't, never, right? <laughs> don't retaliate with insults when people insult you instead. This doesn't work in our world, but it works. Pay them back with a blessing. Hold on. Peter's saying some stuff that should make us ask a few questions. 
First of all, when he's telling me to love people and to be sympathetic and be humble, the first thing that should probably come to our mind is, why am I here on this earth? If, that's, if those are the primary values that people should see in me as a Jesus follower, why am I here? What's my purpose? What's my life's purpose? <laughs> I love what he says. Give a blessing. It's not, by the way, it's an imperative. It is a command. It is not a suggestion to bless people when they do evil towards you. Another un-American thing, I think. Come on. He's pointing to Luke when Jesus refers to this all the time. This is part of Jesus' picture in, in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, hey, by the way, turn the other. It's hard to say, huh? But what he's going to do right now, what he just did is he strings together a list of adjectives that describe a healthy Christian community, insider ethics, the way that you and I are called to live, lead, and love. We're going to stop. We're going to spend a bunch of time right now going through each one of them. The first one he starts with is being of, what does he say? One mind. And by one mind, he says that we should, and this is going to be how he explains these things, we should strive for, somebody say, Harmony. Harmony is a thing we don't like, but it requires us to be unified and to live together well. He goes on, and this is kind of us teasing this out. This is what he means by one-minded. Fight against, and this is a message for you and me, fight against anything that creates in your Christian community and in your inner church relationships. And by the way, he's not talking about at Water of Life. I mean, he's not just talking about in your small group or in your friend group. He's talking about the people that don't like you, the people that think that, you should be doing church a different way or that you should or shouldn't wear a mask or people that vote different than you. He's saying, by the way, fight against anything that creates competition, hostility, and resentment. I know none of those three things exist anywhere in the Christian church in America, ever. Not right now either. Specifically not right now. Come on. Don't miss this. This is what he's saying by being one-minded. This is the language that he is using when he says, be unified. Because he, he knows this. That when we stand together, it allows us as a community to face challenges we otherwise might not be able to alone. Let me tease that out. By the way, if you don't stand together, if you don't do this together, by the way, you're going to forfeit your ability to change the world around you because you're so concentrated on changing only your world. He, he's not done with us, though, so just hang on. Unity, this is what he's saying to us, and I, I, I had to write this stuff down. It, it hurt me, too. Okay. Unity is our witness. This is Jesus, right? Hey, by the way, they're going to know you by the way that you... Love one another. This is our witness to the world and around us of the great work that Jesus, don't miss this, is doing in each of us. But unity is our witness to the world around us of what Jesus, the power and the presence of the transformation of the Holy Spirit will do in us, with us, and through us if we let him. Now, he's not done yet, though. We still have more attributes to go through. You, I know, just breathe. But here's the thing. We want life to be different. We got to live different. 
And it might not make sense to the people around you, and your neighbor might not make sense, and they might not like it, and your boss might not like it, but someday they will like it when they recognize that you love even when people hate. And when you lean in and said, I have hope, when there is no hope, not because of anything I did, but because of who did something for me. He goes on, he says, sympathy. Be sympathize, sympathize with one another, right? This is the word, sympathize. This word is so natural and so easy for all of us, right? Because all of us fully understand that we should, and I'm being sarcastic, put ourselves in the other person's place. This is so easy, right? It just comes natural to us. We never think of our own needs first. We're always looking to make sure everybody else is taken care of. Half of us have issues with serving other people, and we think that we're serving other people, but we're actually just making ourselves feel better about ourselves. It'll take you a minute to figure out what I just said, but you'll figure it out. Now, our job is to see the world from other people's perspective. That's it. It doesn't mean you have to agree. Jesus spent his entire ministry leaning into people's conversations that he didn't agree with by saying, I understand how you could think that way. Let me show you a better way. That your heavenly father doesn't just put you here to suffer. That your heavenly father put you here because he loves you and he has a plan to restore you and make you whole. He has a better plan than the suffering that you think is so imminent. And then he goes on. It gives us our least favorite part of this whole thing. He says this. Love your brothers and your sisters. And by your brothers and your sisters, he's not talking about the ones you grew up with. He's talking about the people in community with you, the people that you should be doing community with, the people that go to a church that doesn't like our church, the people that you don't like because of the way that they sing songs or whatever it is. He's saying, love your brothers and your sisters. He's saying this, we should, this is a command, we should love Jesus followers well. Listen, you hear a theme here, right? Love well, love well, love well, because by the way that you love one another, the world would know that you love me. Because it comes so easy, right? Because our first brother or our first sister is often, for most of us, the person that shares a house with us or the children that live in our house. Like, these are our first brothers and sisters. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of grace in that whole area. Anybody? I have little kids. Some of you are like, I don't have a problem with kids. My kids are gone. My kids are multiplying. So love Jesus' followers well and continue. Listen, this is so important because he knows we're going to have a tendency. We're going to have like a, a, a temptation to stop growing in our love and our affection. We're going to think we arrived and he's going, no, 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 no. Love your brothers and sisters. Love your brothers and sisters. What he's saying is continue to grow in the way that you love one another. Then he finishes up by saying, oh, yeah, and be kind. Be kind. And what he's saying is that we should avoid the temptation to just be nice. But what he's not saying is be mean. Let me explain here, because there's a difference between kind and nice. See, nice tells us what we want to hear. Kind tells us what we need to hear. Kindness is driven by love. Niceness is driven by selfishness and fear. See, we like nice people because they don't make us do anything. Everybody likes the nice boss, but the nice boss doesn't actually have your best interest in mind. The kind boss does who holds you accountable. 
to become the person that you can be when you perform at work, or the person that you can be when you lead people, or the parent that you can be. Listen, this is the spouse that is kind, helps you become the person you were created to be. Nice? Nice just makes you feel good. But kind, kind is done. Here's why. It tells the truth even when it's hard because we were first loved and we are called to love. And then he's just kind of, hey, by the way, the language he uses here, he's, this just kind of comes from way down deep inside. Actually, the language he uses here in the Greek, it comes from your innards. This stuff shouldn't just kind of be this going through the motion. This should be born out of the inside of who we are. It should come from the core of our passion or being way down deep inside. Not accidental, intentional. And he says those words right before he says this. Oh, yeah, and be humble. And then he uses that bad word again. And tells us that we should probably, if we're really thoughtful, voluntarily submit to one another. <clears throat> and by submit, he's not saying... Make sure that they know that you're right, even if you let them win. He's not saying that. He's actually using that exact same word we talked about a few weeks ago, hupotasso. The, in, in the Greek, really what it means to actually arrange yourself underneath the other person. Meaning, you don't get to be the ruler or on top. Your job, as you are humble, is to get underneath other people. And he doesn't say only if they're right. He says, get underneath people even if they're wrong. Here's why. Because when we voluntarily submit one to another, we display we love one another. Because love isn't about an emotion or a feeling. It's a decision to put somebody else ahead of ourselves. This is all tied together. And I love this. Because humility means that we put our own agenda aside no matter what party or what agenda you subscribe to we avoid retaliation at all cost and here's why Peter's doing this Peter's doing this because he's preparing them these Christians these first century Christians who are about to experience great persecution. It's almost as if Peter kind of has this inkling that these things are coming. They probably were happening in these isolated pockets in the towns and the cities that some of these churches were in. What was going to come was state-sponsored death of Christians. Peter, living in Rome just a year later, will be crucified upside down after writing this letter. One year. One year later. He's writing this at the very end of his life. And something happens here that's so important because he's basically saying, hey, be prepared. But by the way, even when it's hard, we can still do a couple things really well. Here's what he's saying. Even when it's hard, we can still be sympathetic. We can still be loving. We can still be kind. And I think he would say to us right now in this moment, hey, things are going to get rough. They're going to get weird. They're going to get upside down. And the world won't make sense. But you can still be sympathetic, loving, kind. And humble, and when you're sympathetic, loving, kind, and humble, the world can look different. You and I, we want the world to look different. And it can be different. 
But the expectation from Peter, from Jesus, is that we would choose to live different. Peter pauses here and introduces this whole conversation born out of actually just quotes a, a psalm, Psalm 34. We'll read it in just a minute. But he pauses here for a second because the point to the psalm and the pause is to reflect on the reality of doing good even when it costs something. Because what he's about to say is that doing good is a blessing. All of us love to do good. But the hard part for us is doing good when it comes at a price. See, we want to change our communities. We want to transform those things. We want to stand up for what's right. We want to do what is right until it comes at a price. The price that that the people Peter is talking to is going to be their life, ultimately, because what happens just a year or two later, Nero, um, most historians believe that Nero lit Rome on fire, Emperor Nero lit Rome on fire because he wanted to build some new things. And so instead of kind of kicking people out, he lit the city on fire because he wanted to rebuild it and he wanted glory because insecure Nero needed the praises of people. Because of that, he burns the city of Rome in about 64, right about the time that James, or excuse me, that Peter's writing this. He burns the city. It's the great fire of Rome. And um, because he can't be responsible for it, because he can't handle being responsible for it, although he's Caesar, he can do whatever he wants to, he can kill whoever he wants to, he can burn down whatever he wants to burn down. But he wants the praises of the people so desperately that he begins to blame Christians for it. And just, just, a year after Peter writes this, people, Jesus' followers, would be put on stakes and lit on fire to light up the roads leading into Rome as a display for their guilt for burning Rome, even though they didn't. This, this is the suffering that he's talking about. 64, 68, 80, just a couple years later, Nero's overthrown. In fact, he ends up killing himself. And the end of the Judeo-Claudian dynasty comes to, just wraps up, it's over with Nero. But get this. Even when it's hard, and this is what Peter's saying, even though this is coming or maybe even is going on, even though people hate you in your communities, you can still be loving, kind, sympathetic, and humble. And he goes on. He's not done yet. He finishes by saying this and kind of teases out the rest of verse, excuse me, chapter 3. He says, now who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? To which we would like to say, nobody doesn't like the person that does good. But then he might say, but what happens when good is seen as evil and evil is seen as good? What do you do then? And he goes on and says, but even if you suffer for what is right... God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Listen, he's saying, by the way, there's people that are threatening you right now. I know some of you have been writing to me. I want you to remember this, that ultimately, no one can take your life unless I allow it. Here's what he's saying. Nobody can harm a Jesus follower. Can they cause pain? Absolutely. Can they end your life? Absolutely. But no one can take your hope until you take your eyes off the hope giver. 
It is yours. It is a gift from me. This is Heavenly Father to you. And until you let go of your eyes off of me, it can't happen. Here's what he's saying. Hope only fades if and when we lose sight of where hope comes from. He's saying, hey, by the way, if you keep your eyes on me, you're full of hope, even if you're gone. Even if you're in the middle of suffering, full of hope. And what he's really pointing is, is like, there is no suffering when you have hope. It might be hard. But he's saying, hey, listen, put suffering into context. This is about trials, perseverance, grace, love. And you being a witness for me, it's almost like this. It's almost as if Peter and Paul got together, <clears throat> and when Paul writes Romans chapter 8, this it's almost like they kind of got together and kind of wrote this for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Paul writes in chapter 8 of, of Romans. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or we are persecuted or we are hungry or we are destitute or in danger or threatened with death? Is it, is it mean God doesn't love us? I love this. And he goes on, he says this. He says, it's as if we refer and we remember what the scriptures say. For your sake, we are killed every single day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And then he goes on, he says, as if God doesn't love us when these things are happening. He says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us first. He said, hey, listen, lead into that. When you want life to change, there's a couple things you need to deal with. You need to be holy, and we'll talk about that in a second. He said, but lean into this. If you want life to look different, live different, lean into this, not to other ways, things that serve us, our agendas, to put ours first, not our Heavenly Father, not our brothers and our sisters. I love this. And then he goes on. And this is where Peter gets a little direct about how we should and can live different, not just loving people. He goes on and says, instead, you must worship Christ as your, and this is another offensive thing to us because we don't have lords in our life. You know, when we go to church, we have lords. That's it. When we leave church, we never talk about lords ever again. You with me? And we sing them in songs, we read it in scripture, but outside of our life, and he said, hey, by the way, Christ should be the Lord, not just of Sundays, not just of Saturdays, not just of COVID, of your life. And by the way, he's not talking to non-Christians when he's writing this. You know who he's talking to? Jesus followers. He's not saying, hey, you non-Christian out there, Jesus should be the Lord of your life. He's like, no, 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 no. You Christian who said that Jesus is the Lord of your life, Make him the Lord of your life because if you do, your life will be different and your life needs to be different. He goes on and says, and if someone asks you about hope, this is where he leans in a little bit. This is good. As a believer, why do you have this weird hope? You're in the middle of suffering. Nobody likes you. Everybody hates your kind because you're a Christian and hit their word at least. Why do you have hope? He says, hey, by the way, always be ready to explain why you have hope. Be ready. And when you do, do it in a gentle and respectful way. We've all heard people explain why they have hope and they have faith in an unthoughtful and unkind way. To which everybody says, why would I want that? And he's saying, don't be that person. Be respectful, be gentle, be kind, be loving to those who don't know. This is a witness, right? This is, this is us leaning outside of our faith when people want to know why we live 
different. But the problem is, and this is what Peter would say to us, you have to live different if you want life to be different, and you have to live set apart. Because water is we need something we need for life, right? With me? But so is hope. Because hope is like water. Without it, there is no life. And you say, hey, listen, you can have hope. And you should have hope. Just don't miss this. When it says to worship, when it says to put yourself under Christ, you know what Peter's really saying? Dedicate every part of who you are to God. Every part. He's, the picture is all the parts of you should be lifted up to him. And what he's really saying is, hey, by the way, your life should be set apart. It should be different. And he goes on and explains and helps us understand what it means to be different, how our lives could look different. He says this, keep your conscience clear, to which we all said, what does that mean, Peter? He says, then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. You know what he's saying? Be holy. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Be holy. Live different. If you want different results, live different. If Jesus is different in your life, live different. Don't be the same as you once were and don't be the same as the world around you. Live different. You're not better. You just have hope. Listen, this isn't about being superior. <laughs> this is about recognizing our depravity and our dependency on a Savior to heal us and restore us and breathe new life into each one of us because he's saying, hey, by the way, your conscience is like a window. This is what Peter's really getting at for us. Your conscience is like a window, and, and this is so important, that lets in the light of God's truth. If we continue to sin, this is for you and I, and disobey, the window gets dirtier and dirtier until the light of God can no longer shine in. Here's what happens. Here's what you and I know. That our conscience numbs, that our windows get dark when we continue to allow sin and destruction to happen in our lives. He's saying, be holy. This is over and over and over. Be holy. He already told us this in chapter 2. You are a royal priesthood. You're chosen. He's saying, hey, by the way, live that way. Be different. It's not because, listen, it's not because I want you to be superior. It's because I want you to live better that my kingdom could come through you and change the world around you. Because listen, what we all know is this. What you know, what I know is that we want life to be different and we got to live different, but we don't always want to actually live different. And here's what we know, that when we continue to sin, it numbs our conscience and we are no longer sensitive to what is right and to what is wrong. And you and I both know Jesus followers or people that claim to be Jesus followers who live in ways that do not reflect what Jesus was about. And that is because their conscience isn't clear and they no longer can see good and evil and right and wrong. And how many times have you and I got ourselves into places where we could not see the difference between right and wrong because of the way that we have been living? Peter says, don't live that way. Live holy, live separate, live different if you want different results. You can't keep doing the same thing if you want different results. He says this, remember and this is how he wraps up the whole thing. It is better to suffer for doing good to which none of us got excited about. If that is what God wants, 
what he's saying in parentheses is, by the way, just in quotation, if God wants you to suffer, it's going to be better for you to do that than to, to live excited about terrible things. Because he goes on and says, if that's what a God wants, it's better to do that than to suffer for doing wrong. He's saying, hey, listen, what he's really saying is tongue in cheek. He's saying, you're going to suffer either way in this life. Suffer for what's good. It's going to bring new things to you. It's going to bring life to you and to the people around you and change the world if you live different. Suffer for what's good. Here's how I thought we should finish our weekend together. I told you in the middle of the passage that, that Peter stops and he, he reads a psalm. He actually writes down a psalm that he is reminded of. And it's a psalm of King David. It comes out of Psalm 34. And I thought we should read it as we close together this weekend. He says this, if you want to enjoy life, and this is David writing this psalm, by the way, and you want to see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and not try to be good. He says, do good. He goes on and says this, search, not, not, not maybe try to find peace, not... Search for peace. He's saying, go looking for it. And then when you find it, work to maintain it, protect it, build it, take responsibility for it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. I want you to look at something as we finish. Search for peace. Create it and go looking for it. And when you find it, work protect it. Listen, most of us like to look for discord. We like to tweet to cause chaos. We like to post to instigate. Listen, how often do we go searching for peace and protect it and work to make peace? We don't even want to work to make peace in our own home, much less on the internet or in politics. Come on. Search for peace. This is a word for me, for you. You want life to be different? Search for peace. And when you find it, work to protect it and maintain it. So here's what I want to do. I, I don't know about you, but on our home, doing church online and doing church distant, and, you know, maybe you've got a small group and you're doing distance. So I, we, I just thought it would be really good for us as we finish this weekend to talk through a couple of takeaways. Because I don't know about you, but... Discipleship and growing and, and maturing in this season has been really different for me and a lot of different for you as we've talked. I thought it'd be good for us to talk through some takeaways, a couple things to think about and a th couple things to talk about for you, for us, for me. If you want to take pictures of it with your phone or something so you can remind it, we'll post this online as well. As we finish, what does it look like for me to be a disciple? This is, the, this is Peter's whole point is that you and I are called to be disciples and to follow Jesus. He goes on and says, and I think this is kind of our, our response to what he's saying is, am I living in community with Jesus followers? This is a question for you and for me. Are we living in community? Are we in small groups? Are we doing life together? Are we doing ministry together? Are we living connected? Do we have people that are close to us that speak into our lives, that hold us accountable, that are kind to us? Am I living in community with Jesus followers? And if I am, how can I better live in community with other Jesus followers? How can I better live in community with Jesus followers? If I am living in community with Jesus followers, how do I better do it? 
And then this is where it gets a little dicey. You ready? Am I sympathetic? <laughs> am I loving? Am I kind? And am I humble? I said these are conversation points, things to think about, things to talk about. I might just think about this one and not talk to anybody about it. I don't know about you. <laughs> Come on. And then the next thing is this. Be real specific. Be, I want you to put names to this because I have to too. Who can I, who, people, your favorite boss in the whole world, who can I be more sympathetic loving, kind, and humble towards. Your favorite kid. Who can I be more sympathetic, loving, kind, and humble towards? Who? Not am I. That's a good place to start, and that's why I started with that. Am I loving, kind, sympathetic, and humble? Who can I be more sympathetic, loving, kind, and humble towards? And the last thing. Do you, do I, do we, as Jesus followers, if we are Jesus followers, do we have hope in the midst of the struggle? Because you and I were not born without hope. We were reborn with a hope that the des destiny that we were created for was given to us at the beginning of time, and it cannot be taken away because Jesus died to seal our fate forever. And that fate is full of hope. And remember what Peter said, he, that can't be taken away. The only time we lose hope is when our eyes come off the hope giver. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Heavenly Father, we are so gracious or so greatly moved by your grace. That you would love people like us, that you would lean and, and lean towards us, and that you would reach down and you would come dwell among us, and then God, that you would set us free. Would you help us to live like free people, that we keep our conscience clear, that we live holy, that we look different and we live different because we want life to be different. Would you help us to be loving, kind, sympathetic, unified as your church? Would you help us, God, to be the people you created us to be? That we would set our agendas aside and remind ourselves every single day that we are your children before we are anything else. God, would you care for us? Would you carry us? Would you help us? God, we need you to heal us as individuals, as a nation, as your church. Bring us together to become what you need us to be, light and hope to the world that is desperate and dying. But we ask that today you would start with us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move over us, you would change us, that you would restore us and breathe new life in us. It's in your matchless and precious name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Well, what a powerful, powerful message by Pastor Shane this week as he has, um, as he continued on in this series in 1 Peter. His main kind of point throughout the entire message is such a challenge for all of us, and especially for me, when he, when he says, in order for life to be different, it starts with us living different. Like, think about that. In order for life to be different, it starts with us living different. 
I think sometimes it's really easy for us to, to think about so many other things have to change or so many other things have to come in the line, and then that's what things will start lifting different. But he kind of challenges us to look at ourselves and reflect and say, hey, in order for life to look different, it starts with us living different. Pastor Shane also wrapped up by giving us some some questions for us to think about and to challenge us with. And I want to encourage you not to allow these questions or to just kind of be maybe notes in your book, but I think that's something that we can reflect on and take time to think about this week. Maybe with your family or, or maybe with your small group, these are the questions to ponder on and, and to really begin to, to fill out and write down into journal about the answer to some of those questions. As, as I think in those questions help us or fosters for us to start looking and living different. Well, family, we're so excited that you joined us this weekend and we're so excited for all that God is doing and has in store. I do wanna encourage you if you need prayer tonight or today, this is a, a great time to go ahead and select live prayer and we have pastors that would love to pray for you. And there's so many things happening at the church. You can always stay up to date by visiting walludates.com. That's W-O-L, W-O-L updates.com. We love you guys. Have a great weekend and have a great week.